This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's the Now News Panel on AMI. I'm Dave Brown, joined by Alex Smythe and Julia Gupta. Let's address our next topic, an NDP motion calling on the federal government to tackle to take steps to tackle greedflation and investigate grocery chain profits received unanimous support from MPs on Monday. The non-binding motion calls on the Liberals to close certain tax loopholes, launch an affordable and fair food strategy, ask the Competition Bureau to investigate grocery chain profits, and support a previously agreed-upon House Committee study calling on grocery CEOs to testify about high food prices and the role of greedflation. Joita, this topic jumped out to you. What angles interest you? If it was impossible to look away from the the inquiry that we talked about in the the previous segment, I would say this story has been another one that has dominated the headlines, at least in the last week, if not well before then, because we've seen that grocery prices have gone up and they have roared ahead in terms of the increase to groceries far outstripping inflation Mm -hmm. now. And so it is your quintessential kitchen table issue. And so I am curious about whether in red flagging greedflation, the NDP is onto something here, or if it's a way to play politics with an issue and a way to pander to their base and say, hey, we're still looking out for the little guy and we are taking aim at big business because they're gouging. But I don't know if there's really a lot of evidence to back up greedflation. It is actually one of the things I'm very curious about. Mm -hmm. And I've heard people on both sides of the debate say, yes, there is. No, there isn't. Uh, But the other thing that really jumped out at me was this affordable and fair food strategy. I haven't seen a lot of details around it, but I think we've had long conversations about food deserts and food insecurity. So I think some sort of a a national, a federal strategy around food would not go amiss in this situation. And so um, lots of angles to explore, but definitely would like to start by talking about whether the NDP was onto something. Yeah, let's start with the politics. Certainly, this is one that received unanimous support because it's an easy political win, especially because it's non-binding. You don't actually have to do anything, but it does it does appear that the liberal government will at least enact some of this. So it's good politics. It's very good politics. People are definitely concerned about the rising cost of food. You mentioned it, Joita, even as inflation year over year ticked down towards 6.9% this week by StatsCan numbers, the price of groceries was at 11.4%. So still seeing a significant, significant increase in the cost of food. And there's certainly some prongs to this that make some sense. Alex, what do you think? Is the NDP onto something here? Yeah, you know, I think they are because it's, if nothing else, and we talked about, is this just the, you know, the politics of, uh, of trying to raise an issue that is important to Canadians right now? You know, it, it really puts a focus on what people are talking about. Uh, during the summer months, it was really the gas prices was, uh, was kind of the big thing. Now we're talking about groceries. We're talking about the price constantly going up. I mean, we just literally had... Um, a lot of laws, uh, CEO Galen Weston come out and say, no, we're, we're freezing grocery prices, you know, so this is all top of mind, whether or not this is connected with the, the NDP's call for uh, investigation into greedflation is, is something that uh, remains to be seen. But I, I think that there is definitely 
a lot that we can explore within the the cost of groceries and how they are being determined, and especially because you have so many different brands have different tiers of of grocery stores. I mean, uh, taking Loblaws, for instance, you have the standard Loblaws store, but then you also have the no-name uh, of brands. It's like, okay, well, there's two different price structures, two different models within the same company. Well, maybe is there some way that we can start to look at a a model where, you know, we start to narrow in on these these more affordable brands, these no-name brands, things like that, these house brands, to try to bring down inflation and the price of those foods because everybody needs food. It's a, it's a need for every single Canadian out there. And when you can't afford food, it becomes far more strenuous on the food bank system, on, on all these other services that are available for, for those in need. But it, it, I think it becomes infringement on the government to try to figure out some sort of solution, whether it is the uh, coming up with a, a strategy, whether it is at least looking into how the food prices are being determined, how, the, how they're being regulated within those markets. We already regulate the types of food that can come in, that can be sold. The, uh, we uh, have the Canadian Food Inspections Agency. So maybe there's something more that can be done on that side of the government branch that already exists to just ensure that pricing is included and it's not up to the grocers to to decide how much they pay, they charge. So along those lines, there are three parent corporations that control over 60% of the Canadian grocery market. That mm-hmm. would be Loblaws Corporation, that would be Metro, and that would be Empire. That doesn't even factor in brands like Walmart, Costco. I think once you factor them in, you'd probably be looking at over 80% of the market, the grocery market controlled by those five parent companies. So it does speak to an importance of investigating and understanding. Is there coordination here? What's the collaboration? Is there any kind of cross-company strategy? We certainly saw the bread price fixing Mm -hmm. issue a couple of years ago. We saw the very coincidental changing of of hero pay during the pandemic for uh, minimum wage employees, and it all seemed to end right around the same time across grocery chains. So there clearly appears to be some level of communication here in a very small group of companies that control a huge portion of the market. So it's fair to say the government should be keeping tabs on this. I don't know how far they should end up going in developing a strategy, but Joita, what do you make of the government's role here in regards to food security, cost of food, as it does appear that we are entering some rocky economic times ahead? It's it's unclear how rocky they will be, but it does appear that we're going through something of a difficult economic time here. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I just want to pick up on that. I mean, I think there's a sense where there's smoke, there's fire. You've got these three major grocery chains and you very astutely pointed out the bread uh, and the price fixing uh, issue that came up and, uh, you know, a couple of years back. And yet um, I have to say in speaking to a couple of economists about this, they do point out that according to them, there's really very little evidence of greedflation. Uh, their perspective is that the um, that the hype in the price of food is due to supply chain issues, the war in Ukraine, and until very recently, the price of gas. And so I think it becomes important to, to recognize that while uh, looking at any form of corporate uh, malfeasance uh, is a component of this, Part of it could just be that the price of food has gone up because of all of the things that I talked to you about, which is the war in Ukraine Mm -hmm. and the supply chain Mm -hmm. issues. And so 
Is it difficult for people right now? Absolutely. But if these problems are temporary and if the Bank of Canada is doing something to rein in inflation by adjusting the interest rates, which they've been doing uh, you know, for several months now, then one of the things that may end up happening is the price of food will go down if things settle down in Ukraine, if they manage to lower the inflation rate more. So that might be one way to look at it. But um, I, I just I want to pick up on this idea about um, the one of the things that the NDP is saying is that they'd have to sort of empower the con- the competition bureau to investigate this. And I'm not sure that the con- that the competition bureau hasn't been investigating it, mm-hmm. or you know if it hasn't mm-hmm. really come up. I-, I have no way of knowing one way or the other. But the reason the competition bureau exists is precisely to prevent the sort of thing from happening. Uh, but again. You ask, what are some of the things that the government, uh, what are some of the things the government can do? I would say we can wrangle about what actually brought this about. But it's clear to me that low-income Canadians are suffering. So that's really why the government needs Mm -hmm. to target support. Mm -hmm. And so if you're on social assistance, now would be a good time to roll out an additional diet benefit or supplement. Uh, maybe you want to give people a bigger HST benefit so that they have a bit more disposable income. In the past, the government has brought in some price controls. Now, economists hate when you say price controls. <laughs> you know, they, they, they just they loathe that. But I no, think when the you, free market. Oh, we need no, the free the, market. We, free we can market. only have the free market except when the private companies need some protection <laughs> from the free market. Then we don't need it anymore. Then we don't need it anymore. But I think uh, some limited price protections, especially around the kinds of things that we can't do without. There's a really great article about vegetable oil or any other type of oil. If that bottle of oil goes from 8 bucks to $12, you're just going to have to pay the extra cost. So bringing in some limited uh, price protection may not be such a bad idea. And also, uh, I talked to you about sort of giving people a heftier HST check. Maybe we should just, I don't know, here's a radical idea, remove HST from a handful of products, at mm. least temporarily. Mm. So there are things the government can do in the here and now. They do have some fiscal tools at their disposal. But really where, you know, if I were at the policy table, I'd say, you know what, we can sit here and quibble about what brought this about, but we really need to target support right now to low-income parents to pick up on Alex's really astute observation about food banks and who it is that actually ends up using food banks. And food banks have been taxed even before the present crisis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's really well put by uh, by both of you on that front in, work, in regards to solution. I actually wonder at what point we can start creating some food security uh, plans as well, maybe either encouraging uh, a lot of sort of sustainable, self-sustaining opportunities for people to have community gardens. These are all Band-Aid solutions, but maybe even trying to increase incentives for people to be developing local Canadian farms. Just little things to start easing some of those supply chain issues. There's only so much we can do with our current climate in regards to what we can grow and how we can grow it and how we can develop it. And you have to be very careful because there are environmental impacts that go along with farming. But I do think there could be some food independence that we could create domestically that could go a long way. One more quick thing to add, and also food waste is a big one. Mm. We throw out a lot of apples because they aren't perfect, and there are now lots of small businesses cropping up. I know of a great one in the GTA. I don't want to say their name because I don't want to advertise nah, on air. give them an advertisement. I, I don't remember the name. That's okay. the other thing. Okay, no, okay. <laughs> you know, uh, but um, the, what they're doing is basically gathering up all these ugly fruit and vegetables and selling them at a discount, and people love it. You're, you know, you're buying affordable food, but you're also, and the food is perfectly nutritious, but the reason it doesn't end up on your grocery shelf is maybe just because it doesn't look as good. So Mm. food waste is a 
big issue. And I think we would save a lot of money and really address food security in a meaningful way if we tackle the waste issue. As with so many complicated issues, there's multi prongs in the solution. There's no silver bullet for sure. Let's end on a personal question here, guys. I'm someone who on this show has talked about my love of generic brands. I typically will get generic brands from a couple different stores because oftentimes it is the name brand stuff just in a different container because of economies of scale. The the major brands are very willing to wrap something yellow or put a different uh, brand on a can to uh, make sure they're getting economies of scale and selling their prices. So I love me some generic brands. So the way in which inflation has hit me at the grocery store, thanks to some privilege, but also due to some already frugal grocery shopping, hasn't changed my habits too, too much. But what about you, Alex? Yeah, you know, I there are certain things that we now look at when whenever I'm going grocery shopping and uh, with my family going grocery shopping, and it we're in a similar uh, situation, David, as you mentioned. It's like you have to understand there's the privilege. You know, we can afford to pay more at the grocery store, so um, it, it becomes more of searching out those deals, going through multiple grocery stores sometimes just because oh, uh, the uh, the metro has a great deal on. Uh, apples opposed to, you know, the, the no frills or, or to Loblaws, things like that. So that becomes a bit more of the routine. Um, so in, in that regard, I guess that's really kind of how things have changed a bit that it's like, you, you have to be more attentive when you're shopping. Whereas when I'm just on my own, I'm going to the grocery store that's nearest to me and I'm going to have to pick up whatever the, the food I need, because I, I can't travel that easily going grocery store to grocery store, especially if you have uh, limited mobility or you don't have access to reliable transportation. So I think in those situations, it becomes far harder, especially when you have a more premium grocery store as your, your go-to place. Joita, what about you? Any habits in regards to the way you've shopped as prices have gone up? I mostly go to the farmer's market and I have been, partly because I don't want to um, shortchange the vendors with whom I have a relationship, pretty much been buying what I've always been buying. Where I've cut back is some of the frills. Oh, Wow, homemade pesto. Do I really need that? Uh, you know, so so that's... I mean, yes, yes, you do. <laughs> yes, you do. But can I make the pesto at home and have it actually be homemade as opposed to buying a can? So that's where I've cut back a little bit. Uh, but I generally try not to cut back on food. And I try to buy what I've been buying with the exception of anything that's a bit processed or, you know, but I haven't... I don't really do a lot of conventional grocery shopping. Mm. I think my husband, I generally pack him off. The the Metro stresses me out. Oh, my uh, gosh, yes. So, <laughs> so you should, you're better off asking him if he's been economizing. But at the farmer's market, I've generally been just sticking to what I've been buying. Mm, I miss living with my roommates who were old, far, who were farmer's market folks. So I used to roll in with them because uh, they were very good at the farmer's market, whereas I'm very bad at the farmer's market. I get overwhelmed. So you get overwhelmed at the Metro. I get overwhelmed at the farmer's market. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing there. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Join me every couple weeks for the Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther podcast, where we learn about outdoor tech and tips. Plus, we look at news affecting the environment. AMI's Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther is available from your favorite podcast provider.